sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Monday, July 20th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge every weekday morning. I'm Dane Martinez. I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, live and direct, helping me give out winners from the basement. And it is the beginning of a big-time week here in the world of sports. Kev, I don't know about you, but I am excited. We've got MLS going. We've got baseball on the horizon. Opening day, players reporting to camps, to the bubble. We had fights last weekend. We had a big-time golf tournament. It's almost like we've been waiting for three to four months for this week. Kev, are you as excited as Tim Tebow at a press conference? <laughs> Look, it's it's a lot. I'll tell you, you know, Dane, as, as we start to think about, oh, this is what this day will look like, and this is what th- it's it's a lot. It's going to be overwhelming. Like we will be, you know, without sports for so long, and obviously, you know, for a while now, we've been soccer, whatever it might be. We've sure. we've been breaking down, but like baseball is about to fully enter the fold, and and did somewhat to uh, a degree this past weekend with some of the summer camp games, which is an A plus uh, name. Uh, probably the best thing that they've done, I would say, the entire quarantine process. Uh, basketball is going to get into the fold. NFL is certainly into the news fold. They're into the you know, sure. which is which is something, I guess. I don't know if it's for any of the good reasons, but we're we're certainly getting back into the mix. Yeah, absolutely. And as you know, Kev, one of the things we have been following since its inception is the MLS is back tournament, and it was a big weekend. Kev, in the MLS is back tournament, if you remember, right, with these group stages, they're going to play three games. And there were some big teams, right, going into this weekend that really have their lifeline on this tournament hanging by a thread. You know, we've seen what NYC has not been able to do without Maxi Morales. They're in action later on today. We'll talk about it. Atlanta without Martinez. And then LAFC was, you know, kind of threatening that as well. But over the weekend, they get a huge six Two victory over their rivals in the LA Galaxy. And now that kind of group is a little bit tighter up top. Portland gets the W as well on Saturday. Group F, we have Portland and LAFC looking like they are going to get through. Six goal output from LAFC over the weekend. Well, that's the craziest thing I think about it to me. Um, and again, shout out to Tom Bolger who joined us. And I think, you know, certainly set us uh, up for success. When it came to this LAFC team, I probably would have been saying, I'll bet this team under there without Carlos Vela, who, you know, is coming off the heels of, you know, the best season in the history uh, of the MLS, at least statistically speaking. (laughs) And I mean, they've got nine goals in two games. Like they've not missed a beat. And this win was particularly impressive because they got, they conceded an own goal in the first five minutes of action. Mm-hmm. Then they got it back off of a penalty. Then they gave a penalty away, right? So an own goal and a penalty to start a game. All of a sudden now you feel as if you're, you're looking a lot sloppier 
on that side of the ball. And then they just responded. Diego Rossi uh, with a brace times two. Uh, incredible stuff from LAFC to get their first one of the MLS's back tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And then yesterday, it was Group B that was kind of in the spotlight. And Group B has the Seattle Sounders, the defending MLS champs, as we welcome in our radio audience right here, bright and early in the morning on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh putting the fun and functional sports content. And Kev, you know, I mean, Group B was also intriguing. Seattle, as the defending champs, needed to get a win to kind of stay live, and they did so over the Vancouver Whitecaps 3-0, and now they are in that you know coveted second spot in the group with four points. Yeah, and I think that's going to be one of the things um, for us to keep tabs on. Uh, right now, mm-hmm. there is no futures market for... MLS uh, over on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Understandably so. There is so much up in the air. But I think sure. when we get our, you know, the, the bracket comes out, I think a team like Seattle or a team like LAFC, whose start to this tournament was maybe a little right. bit up and down, but all they need to do is get through, and that's going to be a tough matchup. And especially for Seattle, I mean, that's a great win. 3 nothing against a Vancouver team. That, that looked all right to start this tournament, right? At least they certainly brought the goals uh, in their opening fixture. So very, very impressive, I-, I think at least, from Seattle. And if they've now found their footing, that's not going to be a matchup that many are looking to see. No, absolutely. And so we have to make the point. This is a very important stage of this tournament, okay? There are six groups. The top two teams from each group will advance to the knockout stage. But, you know, Kevin, let's do a little quick math. Six times two is only 12. They have to get to 16. So, Kev, four of the mm-hmm. third-place teams in groups, right, four of the six third-place teams will also qualify for the knockout stage. And I think that is very important as we start to look at these teams and their third matchups, which start today, you know, in a couple of hours with NYCFC against Inter Miami. And as we set the stage, we'll go into some of these matchups a little bit more after the break. But even though Inter Miami and NYCFC have zero points so far, have not won a game because four of the six third place teams do in fact still make the cut for the knockout round if one of these two teams get a big win they could still be one of the four third place teams that will still advance you know we talk about it in other sports they need to win and get some help well the opportunities for help abound and we will talk about it when we come back we are off and running my main man kevin walsh i'm dane martinez come on back this is the early line Football. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. (laughs) 
Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge right here on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh taking you around the world of sports and, more importantly, what's on the horizon and how can you make some money off of it. And, Kev, we're looking at the MLS's back tournament, big-time action over the weekend. And, you know, it's interesting because the slate today starts off with that breakfast match, 9 a.m., when it's probably already 87 degrees in Orlando. And today it's going to be Miami, the expansion squad, against NYCFC. And you may think, Kevin, that, oh, these are two teams that are likely just going home. Maybe they're going to just play out the string. Maybe unders are the way to play it, right? You know, we talk about motivation a lot, Kev, when we talk about these games, but not so fast, okay? Because even though New York City's coming in here as a plus 110 favorite, Inter Miami at plus 190 as the dog and plus 270 for the draw, I'll tell you right now, if one of these two teams put up a big-time performance, get all three points, could win by a you know two goals, let's say, I believe they are still alive. And let's look at this right now. In Group A, you got Orlando and Philly, and we'll talk about them in a second. But Inter-Miami and NYC have not won, do not have any points. Whoever wins, though, will get to three points, Kev. And remember, and will obviously help their goal differential by at least one, right, if they win the match. And remember, four of the six third-place teams make it in. So when I look and I see, you know, okay, Chicago as a third-place team, Already has three points. Fine. However, DC United only has two points. They could lose, right? And not get to three. I see in uh, Sporting KC in third place with three points. They could lose. Goal differential could go down. In Group E, FC Cincinnati, same thing. They're at three points, but with a goal differential of minus three. And then the Houston Dynamo occupy one of those third place teams, but they only have one point. So, you know, Kevin, we talk about the term in the end of a, a regular season in other sports, like you need to win and get help. Both of these squads, NYCFC and Inter-Miami, I believe, you know, it may be a long shot, but they need to win and then get some help. And they could still make it to the knockout stage. I think the biggest thing when it comes to this specific scenario here is knowing how important goal differential is yeah. in an attempt to get to the next round. So for NYCFC, if they're able to win this game, right, they enter with a minus three goal differential. That means that they'd be at at least minus two with the win, but they are going to need to push for more. And if Inter Miami is able to win this game, the same is true for them. Here's the perfect example is that DC uh, team that you brought up who's on two yeah. points. They as well will play the fourth place team in their last game in the Montreal Impact. So you might right. say, well, the DC United lose, will Montreal Impact then win that game? They go to three points, and their goal yep. differential then is minus one at least. So right. NYCFC into Miami, they need to do a lot more, right? And that's why, even if, uh, say, DC United draws with the Montreal Draw, Impact, right. right? And that's a game that's going to be taking place. On Tuesday, well, that means that their goal differential then would stay at a flat zero. So now NYCFC mm -hmm. has to beat Inter Miami by Make three goals. Goal Inter Miami has yeah. to beat NYCFC by two goals. So here's to me then, I think, why this plays a factor so much when we look into this game here. And maybe, maybe uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting suckered in a bit here. But Dan, I mean, we've been following these over unders pretty closely in the That's MLS. Right. The over two and a half goals is minus 166, okay? Right. And 
Now, we started to see the overs come in a bit more. But, but above 160, I'm not sure if we've seen that, right? And I think the, the idea around this is you're not going to sit and rest on the lead. It just does you no good. And even if you're behind, right, it does you yep. no good as well. That's right. Now, if you finish in fourth, you're out no matter what. So I think we could see a lot of goals in yes. a, across the board in games where, especially if both teams competing, Right, if it's like the third and fourth place team, yep, or the second and third place team, if it is on the line, and that's why Mm -hmm. we bring up these standings of the groups, and that's why it's so important in this third fixture, because you know what you need to do, and you may push to make it happen. I'm with you, Kev. I was looking at the over two and a half goals at minus 166. If you want to press your luck, Kevin, and go no whammy, no whammy, no whammy, and stop, over three and a half goals is plus 152 if you want to push it, right? I mm-hmm. could see that, especially in this game where both teams know not only might they need to win, get all three points, but they may, they need to make up a goal differential and get to three or something Absolutely. themselves. 3-1 could be live. I look at over three and a half goals at plus 152 as a very interesting uh, idea for this fixture. There's also a matchup, Kevin, tonight at the top of this group, right? The other two teams in this group who have won already. They are sitting on six points and they have a different set of circumstances, right, Kev? So as Inter-Miami and New NYC are fighting to get in, Philly and Orlando, the host nation, the host nation, the host city, the host team, um, go tonight at eight o'clock. This, they're fighting for the top of the group and kind of who they may see in the knockout round. Does the opposite hold true? Might there be more conservative play? In this one? This is really interesting to me here. So they're both on six points. They're both through to the next round into Miami NYCFC. Neither could possibly catch them. You're locked in uh, when you go to the top two. What's really interesting here, you know, because you would think winning the group would be better. But, I mean, there's no telling, right, if that's necessarily true. Like if I were, you know, we look at the LAFC group, right? They're currently slotted. Second in, in that second, group. Right. Seattle currently slotted second in that mm-hmm. you don't want to be matched up with those teams. Yeah, be careful what you wish for. Absolutely. Right, exactly. Now you're not gonna lose on purpose because that's bad karma. The Minnesota over Real Lake. Yeah. Could could Orlando City and the Philadelphia Union though maybe send out subpar elevens in an attempt to <laughs> get a bit of rest? I certainly think that that is possible. Similar to what we talked about at the weekend, Dane, when we talked about the FA Cup a little bit. And we said, look, you mm-hmm. have to wait for the 11s to come out before you bet them. And right. that, by the way, you know, was a was something that held true, right? Because there were big names that were left off those team sheets. Christian Pulisic, Paul Pogba, neither started the game for their team in that FA Cup fixture. So I think the same could be true here when we look at a couple of teams that are through because, you know, how important is it to win Group A? Of course you'd like to, right? There's a bit of pride in that. That's not to say that they're yeah. going to roll over. But is it, you know, if you're the Philadelphia Union, right, and you get behind, Early, one nothing. Are you going to push the way we've seen a lot of these teams in the MLS push to, to not only to bring it back level, but then you're going to need an extra goal because Orlando City already has you on goal differential goal differential this game. So you need three points if you're going right. to overtake them for the top of Group A. I'm not sure of that. 
Yeah, you're right. You know, the idea of the tie, I think you make a good point here. It is Orlando, the host who has one goal on a goal differential. So a tie mm-hmm. gives the group to Orlando for a team like Philly. Here's my pushback on what you said, Kev. Two reasons. One, a team like Philly, who happens to be a very young team, a team that sees this as an opportunity to kind of announce themselves into the elite class of MLS. I think this is a nice little notch on their belt to say that they did potentially win a group that had last year's number one seed NYCFC in it. You know, Philly is kind of that team that a lot of people think are on the come, but will they actually, are they a year too early? That kind of thing. So I think this could be a nice little feather in their cap specifically. The other point you made is about rest. And while that is the case in Europe, uh, Kev, you know, when they're playing Bundesliga and their cup season or, you know, EPL games and the FA Cup are going on, this is the only game in town, Kev. This is the regular season of the MLS. And you talk about rest. They don't have another fixture here, okay? Orlando and Philadelphia, regardless of what happens today with them both being through, they're not playing again until at least the weekend, Kev, okay? Because mm-hmm. the group stage is out, I believe, on Thursday. Then there's a rest game on Friday, right? And then Saturday might be the earliest they play. So I don't know if that matters. I think we're going to see Philly going for it. And quite frankly, I think they are the better squad. So give me Philly at plus 130. When we come back, though, Kev, there's also soccer across the pond, and we will talk about that. But first, we got to hear the news from my man, Dan Stratford, and that's coming up. Coming up next, everything that happened, everything that happened around the world of sports, get you caught on up when we come back. It's soccer in Europe. Let's hear from Dan Stratford. This is Sports Grid. Get on the grid. Bagels and bad beats. The Washington Redskins were like one of the signature franchises in the league. How is it possible they only have one person at this point having their uniform number retired? The Sports Grid Network. It may just be some exhibition games, but we do have a full slate of MLB games on tap for Monday night. We've almost made it to major sports back in our lives. The Nationals will take on the Orioles, the Royals, and Astros will square off, and the Giants and A's will play out on the West Coast, among other games. Some scores to report from Sunday. The Yankees used five home runs to beat the Mets 6 to nothing at Yankee Stadium in their second exhibition game of summer camp. Aaron Judge hit two of those homers, which is surely a good sign as the slugger had been struggling to get healthy so far this summer. The Orioles beat the Phillies 4-1. As well, pitcher Julio Terran said Sunday that his delay in reporting to the LA Angels summer camp was because he did in fact test positive for the coronavirus. The right-hander said he began to have symptoms two days before the start of camp. He was later tested and the result did come back positive. He made his comments during a Zoom call with reporters. Terran said his wife and son also tested positive but were asymptomatic. Xander Bogarts of the Red Sox was removed from Sunday's intra-squad game at Fenway Park due to a tight hamstring. In the NBA, Thomas Bryant said he's a full go for the season's restart in Orlando. He had been tested positive for COVID-19. Michael Gilchrist has arrived in Orlando to join his Mavericks team. He has been out 
due to logistical problems. Demonis Sabonis has been limited by foot soreness during his recent practices in Orlando with the Indiana Pacers. That's going to coach Nate McMillan. He'll miss the next few days at least. In the NFL, NFL players took to Twitter on Sunday in what seemed to be and proved to be a coordinated effort to urge the NFL to listen to its experts' guidelines on safely opening training camps amid the coronavirus pandemic. Many of the players used the hashtag we want to play to accompany their tweets. NFL Player Association President J.C. Treader tweeted, quote, What you are seeing today is our guys standing up for each other and for the work their union leadership has done to keep everyone as safe as possible. The NFL needs to listen to our union and adopt the experts' recommendations. Hashtag, we want to play. The idea for the tweets apparently came from Miami Dolphins cornerback Byron Jones. This is according to a report over on ESPN, who suggested the idea on one of the players' internal planning calls Sunday. That's to ESPN's Dan Graziano. Jones' idea, the source said, was get to get the message out to the public that the players want to play, but that they want the teams to make sure it's as safe as possible, that it wasn't about players just looking out for their money or not wanting to show up for camp. And news from Sunday from the Memorial Golf Tournament, Jack Nicholas revealed during the CBS telecast that he and his wife have, in fact, tested positive in the past for the coronavirus. That was at the onset of the pandemic. Nicholas and his wife Barbara turned 80 a month apart at the start of the year. He said his wife had had no symptoms while he had a sore throat and a cough. I'm Dan Straff and this has been your Sports Grid News Update. Thanks, my guy Dan Stratford talking about some NFL um, kind of issues back and forth. We'll talk about that later on in the show as we welcome back in our radio audience right now. Major League Baseball getting on and popping. Kev, we'll talk about the slate of games a little bit later in hour number two. Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton going yard for the Bombers early on in an empty stadium. We'll talk about all that, what it looks like, what it sounds like, what it feels like in hour number two. But Kev, we were talking about football and we said Mm. we were going to go across the pond and in the most important league in the world, the EPL, there are three fixtures today. I want to ask you about the first one, Sheffield United against Everton. You know, Sheffield is a plus 105 favorite in this one. I mean, Listen, EPL is starting to wrap up. There are points on the line. There are spots in the line. You're trying to avoid regulation. You may not think about it outside of the top clubs, but everybody's got something to fight for, right, Kev? Yeah, I think so. Uh, You know, whether it just be kind of getting a little bit um, extra juice to close this year, right? I think it's Sheffield United, who when we entered this restart, we're trying to see, could they possibly push to the top four, fell a little bit onto bad form, but they've picked it up. They currently sit eighth. In the table, Everton right now is slated uh, 12th on the table. You see Sheffield United with a decent um, gap, I would say, right? They, they're certainly okay. favored in this matchup here. I, when I initially saw these two teams matched up, I said, hmm, could we see the under here? It is minus 160, mm-hmm. so FanDuel is certainly expecting the same. The more I look through this, though, as good as Sheffield um, or as much as Sheffield has found some form, right? They got a nice win over Chelsea since they've hit the restart. They have a nice win over Tottenham, no doubt about it. I mean, they even beat Wolves. They did, though, just lose to Leicester 2 nothing. And I look at Everton, and, and they've certainly been in some poor form themselves. Something, though, just keeps pulling, pulling me in their direction. It's been that kind of restart where just when you think you've got this thing 
figured out, just when you think you know how this is about to play out, it does veer off hmm. a bit left. And at plus 270, and the one thing that stayed with me, at least I just personally have not found it scaring me off at the minimum, Dane, is what we learned in the Bundesliga where the road team almost had this advantage. And it's almost right. stuck with me to the point where I'm not scared to back a road team, but they still do seemingly have to give a little bit of an extra boost to a team that is home. And for that reason, I'm not hmm. scared to back Everton at plus 270 entering this game. All right, fair enough. Now, listen, this other matchup in the EPL, it don't matter where it's being played. It don't matter who is home. This could be played on Stonehenge for all I care. When we see Crystal Palace as a plus 700 shot tonight <laughs> against Wolves, you know, I think Wolves are one of those teams that are still competing for Europa positioning potentially. You know, these yeah. EPL teams, the top four or five, you know, depending on the Man City judgment and that sort of thing, make it to Champions League. Don't forget, Europe is like the next two or three spots for a big-time, you know, league like the EPL. And, you know, getting into Europa, especially if you're a team, you know, that's not, oh, you know, Arsenal, Man United, that's a huge accomplishment, and it comes with a lot of dough for that organization, right, Kev? So talk to me. Wolves at minus 210 against Crystal Palace. They, need, they got some work to do, but a nice opponent to try and make hay, right? Yeah, so the unfortunate thing for Wolves, though, and I have to wonder themselves how dejected they are entering uh, these le this this game here. Is that draw at Burnley? If you remember, yeah. we talked about that Burnley game uh, at length. And I was like, listen, I know Burnley's been scrappy, but Wolves need this one desperately. And for 90-plus right. minutes, it was true. And then the 96th minute, a penalty for Burnley gets them another 1-1 one, one draw and pretty much ruined Wolves' hopes of getting themselves into one of these finals Champions League spots. They currently sit on 56 points right mm. now. Uh, the 62 points that it would require to get them up to the fourth spot, it's just not realistic because even if they were to win their last two, uh, Leicester and Manchester United have to play one another, there's going to be some form of points coming from from right. that angle. so And that's made me wonder. Now, look, that's not to say that Wolves has, has nothing to play for, right? Now, because of uh, a game in hand, Tottenham have moved above them. They played uh, Leicester actually just yesterday, won that game. Tottenham's now up to 58 points. So Wolves do need a win to get themselves back into that sixth spot. And yes, they are certainly playing a team that would be perfect to do it against. Crystal Palace came out of the restart when their first game against Bournemouth and have been absolutely dreadful, absolutely mm. dreadful since that point. They've lost six consecutive games. They've only managed to score in one of those six games that wow. they've lost. I, I mean, Crystal Palace have been absolutely putrid since the restart. So I can't, I, I mean, seven to one for this team is justified. I can't really get behind it. It's another spot where the under two and a half comes in at minus 160. I'm curious, Dane, you know, if we take some some heavy favorites though and move them around, something similar to what you did here. Under three and a half right. goals is minus 500, and then Wolves to win is minus 210. Parlayed together, though, comes out to minus 118, which is not bad at all. I think that might be a decent way to approach this matchup. 
Well, what about if you think, you know, Crystal Palace just can't get it done, just can't score? What about under on their team total? What about a no for both teams to score? Only scoring one out of six games against a team who needs to do something to confirm their spot, even in Europa. Sounds like something, you know, to play with. I might just fade the Crystal Palace offense and go under. You know, you can bet their individual team totals, or will they score in each half? Which Might you just want to fade Crystal Palace in that way? Yeah, I think I think that that's certainly on the board, right? I look at uh, both teams to score. The no right. is minus one eighty two. So, mm. and that's one of the big things, right? Is um, tr- if you're going to, and I think I think it's a great idea, right? Looking to go against this Crystal Palace side, it's how are we going to do it, right? It's trying to yeah. figure out the best way to possibly do it. I, I do think them to not score is certainly interesting. Um, I'm trying to figure out where that market exactly is because it, it does vary throughout crystal palace it's minus 155 date for them not to score it's so not uh, it's not that bad but if i take under three and a half goals and ah, okay i take crystal palace to win i'm getting it at a better number now certainly yes if wolves go out there and win four nil i lose my bet mm-hmm. you win your bet 100 right. so there's obviously different ways that 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 you can play this but fading Crystal Palace is more than understandable. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we do here on Sports Grid, right? We give you the edge. We give you all the information bright and early in the morning. And then you got to run it through the widget machine that is your own conscious and figure out where to hit submit. But my man, Kevin Walsh, giving you all the information you need from the basement about the EPL. Kev, there's one other game um, on the slate today across the pond, and it is Brighton versus Newcastle. Uh, can I interest you in my plus 240 draw? In this one, how do you see this one playing out, Kev? What What if I do you one better and I get you to the plus three forty Newcastle team to win? This one's confusing me here to the point that I again would say, oh, like the dog the eleven. Maybe I'm missing something. I, I might just be missing something here. But I first of all, I go to the table. Newcastle currently sits in thirteenth. Brighton currently sits in sixteenth. So I'm not off the pace there. We have a spot where you know both of the you know Newcastle set seats uh, sits higher. In the table, I go to the relegation battle, right? Okay, right. maybe is Brighton in danger of dropping back? No, not really. Aston Villa, who's currently in 18th, would have to win both of their games, and they'd have to do so by about 1 billion goals. And then right. we'd have to have Brighton lose by about 1 billion goals. A lot of help seems needed. But like, that's not really the motivational fact, uh, factor there. I go to the recent run of form. Brighton drew at Southampton. Manchester City beat them 5-0. Liverpool beat them 3-1. Okay, they beat Norwich, the worst team in the league, by one. United beat them 3-0. Like, the, the Brighton, you know, their first two results, they beat Arsenal okay, and then they drew at Leicester, but that feels like a while ago. And now Newcastle has been struggling, and that maybe is the answer to the question here a bit, Dane. They've lost to Tottenham. Okay. Watford. City. Three games in a row. But this is a team that can score goals. And I just think to be at this price, this sizable of a dog, I mean, they look terrible. Like, based on, and they're playing a team lower in the table than them, not in form, Mm -hmm. and who's not necessarily playing for, you know, this isn't to save their lives or get your in football. Like, that's not on the line here. So, purely from a value perspective here, I think Newcastle at plus 340 is a play. 
There you go. We like that plus money here, and Kevin is delivering it for you live from the basement. We could get that. Um, at, you know, that's a big number right there. We have one other game I know we want to talk about briefly here. In Syria, ah, the old lady, Juventus, big-time favorite, minus 210 against Lazio today. We only got about a minute until break, and after break, we will turn our attention to the NFL. But, Kev, you got any leans on this one in Syria, ah? I'll just say it's a bit of a shame. The expectation for this game is that it would have really been one of those games that could potentially dictate who wins the league. But Lazio, hmm. after being right there in range, kind of let everything slip. And they're not even in second anymore. These Italian games, though, have been good to the over. If you want some plus money, uh, over uh, three and a half is plus 140. All right, sounds good. When we come back here, Kev, on the early line, we turn our attention to American football. You heard Dan Stratford in the news update talking about hashtag we want to play. We'll get into that and why the NFL, in my opinion, is still at square one. When we come back right here, the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Everybody, welcome back right here on the early line on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. I got Kevin Walsh with me today and every weekday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. Um, so, Kev, we go to the NFL, right? And Dan Stratford, our guy alluded to it in the news update, this idea that, you know, potentially led by Byron Jones, uh, we've seen J.J. Watt out there on social media, hashtag we want to play. You mentioned it last week, Kev. You know, that it sounds like the NFL is still at square one. There's so much stuff still to be figured out. And Kev, the clock is ticking now more than ever. Literally today or tomorrow, we've got Kansas City Chiefs and Houston Texans rookies supposedly reporting to minicamp. All right. They're going to report to camp. They got to get tested. You got to go back. If they test positive, got to come home. We are starting to implement the policies because it's happening yet. If you look at J.J. Watt, what a lot of the other players are saying, and big-time players, right, like Drew Brees and others, saying there is still far too many questions left unanswered for us to feel comfortable. Clock is ticking, and we've seen this in every single sport, Kev. We're about to see the cluster F begin in the NFL. So I think one of the big things for me here is that hashtag. Hashtag we want to play. I, I think this right. is... I'm very impressed with the NFL players thus far, because if... If you think that, you know, they were obviously, they were going to try and make it look like they wanted holdouts and, and whatnot. And every single tweet addressing the issue, they, though, made sure that they let people know we want to play. And it, I remember when J.J. Uh, Watt, Dane, had gave us that list, right? And the first and mm -hmm. last thing on the list was we want to play. He's given us an updated list, Dane. And right. still the first and the last thing on that list is we want to play. So I think that is massive. In, in that they are now going to be, I think, have a little yeah. bit more leverage because I think that the public perception around this NFL approach will favor them more than I would have expected it, probably too. 
But that's really the only positives here, Kane, because there's no plan. I I mean, there is no plan. You know, I've seen some people trying to, you know, put the guesswork in. Was the NFL waiting for one of these other leagues to fail? That's what we're talking about, That way they could be like, oh, look, like it's, you know what I mean? Like, whatever, we're all out. Were they hoping that this would be gone? I mean, it legitimately does not seem as if they've had conversations that you and I have been having here on the early line. <laughs> right. No, I think that's true, Kevin. You know, we have been saying, I don't know anybody who watches this show who has heard the spitting statistician on this network. I've used the term follow the blueprint. Our friend Jared talks about reading the putt and the line of the putt and able to kind of follow the leader and, and let someone else make all the hard decisions, right? Blaze the trail as it were. And then there's kind of cover and just following what other leagues have done. And that opportunity is gone. I think you're right though, Kev, this idea of this hashtag, we want to play what looked like a coordinated effort by the players, right? And Mm -hmm. that really, I think, puts a couple of things together we have seen. When we talk about people like Kalen Hill and Chubba Hubbard in college, right, leveraging social media to get their point of view out there directly to the public, I think the NFL players are doing that. And it certainly was coordinated, right? Everybody using the same hashtag, everyone dropping their feelings in the same window to kind of get it trending, to get everyone noticing what is happening is definitely the players with a unified voice talking about hashtag, we want to play and we want to figure it out. Kev, one of the things that it looks like they're going to figure out is when players will have to declare if they're opting in or opting out. And it seems like August 1st is going to be the day. Remember, though, we had this in the NBA, Kev. Remember, decision day was supposed to be June 24th. And then literally Mm -hmm. weeks after that, if players were still up in the air, quite frankly, I still don't know if Victor Oladipo is going to play for the Indiana Pacers. And this is now, what, almost a month after that decision date? However, it sounds like the NFL wants written notice by August 1st in about a week and a half. And I don't know that the picture is going to be clear enough, Ev, for anyone to make that decision in an informed way. Yeah, that's a really good point, right? It is like, especially if the start of this season gets pushed back, like what good is that August 1st date? And I think as you know, they're going to need a, a a written notice, right? Is kind of the, right, right, right. What Tom P- Pelissero delivered to Pelissero. Tom Pelissero like, said um, that. Yep. Like we're going to have a doctor's note, like, and they're going to be like, well, "Oh, okay, here's okay. my question, though, Kev. Wait a second, Kev. Elena Deladon had a doctor's note. It well, didn't no, matter. That's why I'm asking. That's why I'm asking. Yeah. Like, like, what does that actually mean, right? Don't the know. idea that if I get a written notice, written notice I'm going to get my full salary and you're going to be good to go? No. Of right. Course, that, that's, it's gone. That's not going to work that way. So that, to me, then, is even misleading here. Like, there's, a, there's a lot that has to be sorted out. And I think the biggest reason for concern, when you see mm-hmm. those uh, tweets from players, right, again, you know, the hashtag, we want to play, they're calling the NFL out for not listening to the recommendations that their own doctors are giving them. Right. That's very concerning. That is the idea that the NFL, it, it really does seem like they are trying to hold their nose and hope for the best. That, that they're going to come out of this and somebody else will have made the decision for them. And that's yep. not realistic. I, I mean, 
we're, we are living in a world where you got to make the decisions. You got to figure it out. And they're not easy decisions to make. Some of them are easier. Put a mask on. Pretty easy call. Some of them are not so easy, right? But as, like when you run a league, you have to step up. And they've not done that to this point. I go back to March, April, when they built in the delayed season. And I remember saying, oh, that was pretty smart. Good for them. Wow, is the NFL on the ball? And was that all for show? Why are you yes. not having those conversations? Like, why are you not working off of that premise? I, it is it is completely mystifying to me. Yeah, I mean, Kev, listen, I think the NFL had the luxury at the beginning of conducting free agency, conducting the draft, and getting all the buzz without having to answer these questions. That's why it was supposed to be like, oh, they're going to follow the blueprint, right? I think what's caught everybody off guard is that the virus is still spiking and still going bananas in this country. Everybody thought that by the time we hit late July, early August, we would have, you know, this under control, but we do not have this under control. The questions have not been answered just yet. You know, Kev, you're talking about that football is not going to follow its own guidance. There's something like 30 states that opened, right? quicker or opened without following the checkpoints of the country's guidance in terms of saying 14 days in a row of a drop in cases. You know, we may be open too soon. That's what we're seeing a lot of now. And maybe the NFL did in fact think that the virus was a damn football fan and does not have that luxury anymore because clock is still ticking. However, Kevin, another issue that they're going to have to figure out regardless of this virus because the NBA has had to figure it out. Major League Baseball has had to try to figure out. And it is the idea of how to share the pain. That is what mm. we have been calling it, the loss of revenue. Remember how last week we heard this proposal that the owners wanted to have 35% of player salaries in escrow, and the players are like, yeah, okay, you try that. Ha, 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 ha. Well, we're now hearing reports also that the idea of spreading this pain around may have a huge impact to the salary cap, not only this year, but in an extended fashion. One of the things we're seeing Dan Graziano put out there, and you see it on the screen now, that the cap could drop by up to 70 million in the next year. Kev, I've got a couple of questions about this one, but what's your knee-jerk reaction to this potential of, you know, the flattening or even reduction of the salary cap? We've heard about this in other sports as well. Well, I think when we look at other sports, Dane, there's nothing to worry about. Money issues are very easy to solve, and this couldn't potentially derail <laughs> everything they're working towards. This is terrible. This is not, like... This is what I'm talking about, though, right? Like, we saw this with Major League Baseball, right? They spent all of this time figuring out the money, and then they had to put all of these other protocols into place. And now they ended up kind yeah. of getting those things done because they were having some of these conversations simultaneously. But, like, for the NFL, like, I don't think you can stress this point enough, Dane. No sport has more to figure out than the NFL when it comes to health and safety protocols during sure. the pandemic, okay? Sure. Not just travel-based, but the, the nature of the sport. And then on top of that, they're going to have to figure out money, where in a sport, it might be the most difficult to figure out money. The NBA's got what? You know, depending on the, the roster, 15-man roster maybe? 53 right. guys on an NFL roster. And that's Coaching staffs are bigger. Personnel staffs are bigger. Absolutely. Of course. And this is the danger in it, right? The guys at the top, Right, they can afford to, you know, 
whatever it might be, sit the season out, who knows? Right. Do you know how many? There are so, so many players in the NFL that need that salary, not just to mm-hmm. meet a certain lifestyle, to, to feed their families. Like, that is what they need. And that's very worrying, right? Because the NFL knows that, and they will hold that over the player's head when it comes to these negotiations. And the Players Association will not only be able, they will then have to take into account these players that need this money, right? And that's why they're going to want a season. They're absolutely going to want a season. Again, the ability, though, Dane, to execute that, you know, when when now we're going to get into the financial side of things, it's a lot. It certainly is a lot, Kevin. I have a question for you that I alluded to last week about this issue, and I would love to get your thoughts. You know, the players want this kind of the pain, shall we say, spread out a little bit more so they're not taking such a short-term hit. We talked about this last week, Kev, as it related to Mr. Dak Prescott. And we talked about how he is betting on himself, right, to get there, and then there'd be a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But I said one of the things to be concerned about, two things, one was the idea of the violence and the injury risk that Dak was taking on, and the other would be what would the salary cap look like in the context of coronavirus? Dak decided not to take his long-term deal. Now we're seeing there could be a dramatic hit to the salary cap, which would have a dramatic impact on long-term deals just like the one Dak Prescott and others are looking for. Kev, do you think that this that is out there and there's going to be a big-time conversation about sharing the pain for the life of whatever Dak Prescott's contract is going to be, does this need to enter into the calculation of Dak, other franchise guys, other free agents still out there on the street? You better put pen to paper as soon as possible. Totally disagree. And I think this is why Dak okay, and the Cowboys have lost. That franchise tag number next year stays the same regardless. Right. No he's going to have to sign goes. a long-term deal at some point. And when he is signing a long-term deal, it'll be in the context of a far lower salary cap, no? But, but he doesn't have to sign it yet. So he's going to be able to go through this whole season, right, with the biggest salary cap. Yeah. Then he'll go into next year. Well, obviously, I'm not signing a deal. You're going to franchise me. We're never going to come to terms on money. So the Cowboys will franchise him again. We're in 2022, Dane. We'll figure it out then. And let's not forget the fact that he's a quarterback, right? And if anything, if teams are going to move things around, it's going to be for a quarterback. This is why, though, the Cowboys, this is why on the poll, people voting for only one year is because I don't know if they're going to be able to pay him on the tag next year because of how much of the cap it might just be eating up. Fair enough. We'll talk about it a little bit more on the other side of the break. And then our number two, we go to baseball. We are only days away from opening day. Summer baseball is on and pop, and we'll talk about it. Our number two of the early line is up next. Evan and I will be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line. Kevin and I were discussing how it feels. Kevin, like, we're still at square one here with the NFL, right? But we have figured out a couple of things. Remember, they cut the preseason from four games to two. We talked about no joint practices. This is all kind of in the vein of player safety and fighting the spread of coronavirus. But we also heard this weekend, Kev, that that may be even more condensed. It looks like they want to go to one preseason game. I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't think we wind up with any. Why risk it? These guys don't really take it that seriously anyway. I wonder if we're going to have any. It looks like we're coming down to one, though, as the current thinking. Yeah, so uh, we have the uh, latest update from our guy Tom Pelipelli. Um, and the latest proposal um, from the NFL to the players was just the one preseason game, uh, which would take place in the usual third week uh, of preseason, which is the week of August 27th. Now, this proposal then means that we are now going to either be getting one or zero. Credit to the players, though, thus far, right? Four games, zero. Two games, zero. Okay, how about one? Like, so far, they've stood firm on this idea. I think, Dan, and obviously you'll let me know what you think of this, probably part of the reason why they've been pretty successful with this negotiation is for teams, with the fact that there's not any fans showing up to these games, Probably pretty easy for them to part ways with the preseason games. Yeah, however, remember, the owners like having that gate. Remember, that's why they put it as part of the season ticket package, forcing you to buy the preseason games, right? So that is uh, a lost opportunity for some revenue, and we know the owners care about their revenue. All I got to say, though, Kev, I mean, literally, we've got rookies reporting over the next 24, 36, 48 hours, and it seems like there's still, you know, we don't know exactly what the protocols. There's always testing. We've seen all these issues in other sports, and boy, we are on the precipice of hearing the same thing, the money, the logistics, the safety of it all in the NFL. So buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride. I don't know if any camps are going to actually open on time as they want on July 28th, which is only a week or a week and a half away. Hour number two of the early line comes up next, where we focus on Major League Baseball opening day right around the corner. Hour number two of the early line up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 